This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. The new app, Chappie, is the first gay dating app to take a stand against prejudice in the gay community. All Chappie users must agree to a pledge within the app to treat others with kindness, respect, and dignity. Plus, Chappie is the first app that lets you choose your Mr. Right, or Mr. Right Now, in their innovative sliding scale. Head over to the App Store and download Chappie to meet the right guy for you, and be a part of a community that doesn't stand for prejudice. Welcome to a very special holiday, pre-holiday edition of Reality Bites, a podcast about sex, love, relationships, and dating in the digital age. I'm Courtney Kosak. And I'm Steve Hernandez. And it's almost fucking Christmas! Yep. Uh, yep. Can't wait for the, the break to kick in. What are you doing? Uh, all I care about is drinking. I'm telling you. <laughs> Remember like a month ago when you said you were going to quit drinking? Well, I, I am going to keep doing it, but I, I can't lie to myself. I love drinking so much. Like in the, I'm not trying to kill anything, but to me, like when I think of vacation, and Julia loves drinking too. So to me, when I think of vacation, like I told her, when I become wildly successful, when we're rich, to me, that's what you use vacation for is to get drunk every day. You can't do, you can't do that. You can't do that in real life. But to us, the to me, when you say what's a good time, to me, I'm like, let's go get drunk every day for two or three days. So, <laughs> so, so to me, like day drinking, all I'm that sorry, stuff. I'm sorry, this is a podcast about alcoholism. Yeah, I have, you know, I I've done enough work to realize that I'm not an alcoholic, but I do love drinking so much, and I do know that it does impact. If I do it a lot, it impacts my creative life. And my day-to-day -day life, so I'm doing my best not to do You're that. You're just like a binge, a binge drinker. Yeah, I mean, but that still sounds pretty unhealthy. I mean, I just love drinking. So to me, I want to get... Uh, and Mike, you love drinking too, right? It's just fun. And as long as it doesn't affect your everyday life, and as long as you're raining it in and stuff like that, and then I think it's fine. So to me, the holidays... At some point, so you guys, I think we're going to release this today or something, right? Yeah, this is today going or tomorrow immediately. So yeah, like tonight, I'm going to get drunk and I'm going to throw <laughs> the comedy world, dude. There are two weeks every year in Hollywood and L.A. where you shuts can the fuck yeah, down. You can take the, you know, Courtney does, forgot that because she's scheduled us like 15 podcasts in the next week. <laughs> but there's, this is the two weeks where you can fucking take it off. And feel guilt-free about just having a party and hanging out with friends and watching movies. So I am these next two weeks. Tonight, I don't know what the plan is, but I'm getting drunk. I don't I don't even know with whom or what. Uh, but my lady has a open mic, so I'll see her around midnight. But at some point before that, the big man is gonna tear it up. Uh, you know, and at some point between now and before the holiday's over, I wanna get drunk on eggnog. And uh, I think maybe I'm vibing next I Tuesday. I feel like you can achieve that. Yeah. That's, that's an attainable goal. Oh, no. Make a nice eggnog. <laughs> like a nice with with some Sailor Jerry's rum, you know. And and I'll tell you what. One thing that I have learned over the years is uh, especially because you can Hollywood. This is a place everyone's your coworkers. So I'm not my drinking. I don't do. I watch who I drink with, too. 
Oh, a very that's a good rule. Yeah, that's very really selected few people that are my good friends, that are my family, that, you know, I don't say, if I say anything stupid or just people, I think it's a very, I mean, it's drugs. You're it's, doing drugs. It's, Bars are crazy. It's liquid drugs. Yeah, it's crazy to me that people like do drugs out in public where it could affect other people. That's nuts. So, so I wouldn't do that. But uh, I am looking forward to. It. What are you going to get weighed for Christmas? Have you guys figured I that out? I don't know. I don't know. What is good about it is that he also like kind of doesn't give a shit, and so. Uh, How about he, no we were joking, and he said he he was going to get me a car accident, which is <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of true if you listen to the last episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, he shouldn't just do. How about no presents? Uh, I'm going to give him something just like thoughtful, um, but I've just had like a million deadlines, so I haven't been able to do anything other than like send my parents some bullshit. Yeah. You know? We're, uh, we usually try to get matching stuff. So, like, we got Nikes last year Aww. together. And then we were going to get matching tracksuits this year. But nothing really, like, popped off the page for us. So, we're just going to get uh, Universal Studio Passes. Cause, yeah. <gasps> That's great. Yeah. Because getting, I'm getting uh, them for my nephew. So, we'll just be able to take them. And I don't like giving presents. I get, get full of anxiety. I mean, it's something from when I was little. Even being little, I remember going to these parties and you know everyone gathers around to open mm-hmm. the presents and i just get anxiety yeah like just oh no i mean just people lo- liking the pre- present or judging and seeing a fake face they make like oh this is yeah. so nice ever since i was little i was like fuck this so i don't mind I, lo- I don't mind paying for things i love taking her out to dinner or getting her a concert tickets anything like that but to buy a thing especially because we're fucking adults and can afford to buy pretty much whatever we want yeah let the person buy the fucking thing. I I love giving presents. I am very good at giving someone, even if they're not a reader, I can pick out a book that I think will like totally resonate with them. That's one of my favorite things to do. Um, and I, th- I feel like I'm a pretty good gift giver. I hate receiving gifts. Like I rarely like, Yeah. <laughs> if I'm honest, I rarely like anything that anyone gets me unless they, they've really thoroughly asked me about it before, in which case it totally kills the whole exchange. And my mom is just the poor, she's the poor thing. She called me and she was just like, I just really just every year she calls and she wants to like, just tell me what the thing is. And I'm always like nothing. So then she fucking gives me money, but (laughs) whatever. I don't, uh, yeah, I don't like receipt. I mean, the whole thing I don't like, but we just, my family is pretty much, if you're under 18, you're going to get a present from me. So, mm-hmm. like, I have a couple of very young cousins that they come to town sometimes. I think I'm going to miss that side. So, But I have a cousin who's 14 now, so I'll give her 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's Amazon really nice. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, there's, like, hardly any. So I just get my two nephews and then my cousin. And then I'll, I'll get something from my, my mom and her, her husband and my dad. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, that's only a, a few hundred bucks there. So there's no pressure I love my family. It's so good to just see them and to be with my uh-huh. brothers and my sister. So I, nobody needs to get me anything. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. I also don't, like, we're not, we went to Minnesota in uh, September or October, and then um, he just went home, like, two weeks ago. So we're also not going anywhere. Well, that's great, right? But I love it. It's my favorite thing. I feel like the same. I love seeing my family, but there is this, like, weird holiday thing. I don't know. I get I get anxiety about just the whole like festivity of it, and like I have 
on one side of my family, there are nine, my grandma had nine kids. And so then they've, with their spawn, it's like 30 or 40 <laughs> cousins. And it's just like mayhem. It's like my least favorite time to go home. Yeah. Well, uh, we want to wish you guys a Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for listening to us this year. It's been uh, really amazing. Uh, I don't know why I'm saying all this stuff. <laughs> because well, it's you're being festive for the holidays. Oh, but also- still, hold on though. Next next week though is our New Year's. That's that's the one when I should be thanking everyone. Oh, because next year will be next week will be the New Year's episode where we say goodbye. But uh, I've really enjoyed. Can I just say to you, Steve? Yeah. I have really enjoyed doing this season with you. It's been, we've done a bunch of them now. We've done like, God, maybe almost 20, 15. I, well, for you just throw around the word like seasons. You got to give me a fucking week off. Uh, so <laughs> don't say seasons if it's going to be never ending. <laughs> Whatever uh, we've done since September, I've really enjoyed. It's been great. Uh, I, I've enjoyed doing these with you as well. Uh, I think it's really fun. No matter no, no matter what's going on, whenever we have a guest, we lock in, and it's super fun. Whit and- was so good. Our guest today <laughs> is Whitmer Thomas. And I knew he was going to be good. Whit- Whitmer's my friend, and he, him and I, uh, he's one of these male friends that I love so much that when we go and get coffee or breakfast, it's like... We just open our hearts, man. We just fucking. He doesn't have a lot of pretense about like like masculinity or whatever. It's oh, yeah. great. I love that. Oh yeah, and I mean, you guys are gonna see when you listen to it too. He's an open book, and he really is a sweetheart. And there's nothing like duplicit about him, and he's very a pure guy, in, in the sense. I mean, even you know when we're talking, he's talking about. I just want to get back to having sex with all my friends again. I'm like, <laughs> no! <laughs> I mean, what a sweet thing to say. Which I think would be awesome if we could all just. Have sex with our friends. I think that would be the ideal thing. I don't uh, know. Okay. <laughs> you, I mean, you don't know, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't know what this thing is. It's so funny to me. I look at women sometimes uh, when I'm like bartending or I'll just look at them and I'm, I'll be like, it's so funny to me that women just are like, oh yeah, they just want to be somebody's everything. It's not... Totally that. And also, can I just point out, it's probably some ingrained uh, notion that is because biologically we cannot afford to just fuck all of our friends. Like we would be screwed as a gender. So that probably has something to do with it. Sure. um, Maybe you would be screwed as a gender, but you know, we have a, a, well, that's what I'm saying though. But anyways, women... Are and, men and, known for and, their childcare? No, I'm <laughs> like, just saying, what the, the fuck? I'm saying though that all these women, they just want to be somebody's everything. That's just what they're like. That's what I want. I want to be the most important person. And to me, I don't even think like that in the least bit. It's crazy to me. Uh, but that might this be This is some real caveman shit. So No, it's not. I don't I don't mind being I don't mind uh being a partner with somebody. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. but the idea of like, oh, I need to be your everything, but maybe I'm just being a stupid guy and I'm taking for granted that I am usually somebody's everything, and so I know what that feels like. And so Also, there's probably just a lot of men and women with wide-ranging opinions on what they actually want. Sure. There are a lot of women, you know, we read a, there are a lot of like positive, sex-positive women who like to fuck a whole bunch too. Uh, and just please DM me at Instagram at hernia. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> let's, this interview is so good though. Let's, let's hop in. Yeah, guys, without further ado, here's Whitmer Thomas. Today's show is brought to you by Fab Skin Hot Bodies with Dr. Jeanette Graff. 
Fab Skin Hot Bodies with Dr. Jeanette Graff is a new podcast about keeping your body and skin looking toned and looking young. Now that we're in the midst of the holiday season, the parties and family gatherings are happening nonstop. And we all want to be sure that we're looking our absolute best. So join Dr. Graff, world-renowned dermatologist, author, and skincare researcher, as she interviews famous stylists, makeup artists, and fitness gurus in order to give you the best advice and tips. As a go-to media resource for cutting-edge expertise on dermatology and skin science, and one of the top three most quoted dermatologists in print in the country, Dr. Jeanette Graff has it all. No beauty or skin topic is off limits. So whether you're looking for the best way to remove cellulite or how to get the perfect tan without damaging your skin, Dr. Graff has you covered. Check her out today on Fab Skin Hot Bodies with Dr. Jeanette Graff. You guys, we are here with Wit Thomas. Very excited, Wit, to delve into your sex and dating life. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> just, I didn't know we were just going to delve into your sex and dating life right away. Let's do it. Well, you know. <laughs> oh, but we talk, you know, me and Wit talk all the time, you know. We, 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 this guy loves women here. He's not a bad guy. He's just caught up, you know. Yeah. He's a sweetheart. He's a romantic. You would describe yourself as a romantic, right? Uh, I would, I guess. You know, it's like these days, it's been a long time truly since I felt like romantic a romantic connection. I yeah. romanticize everything in my life, but I don't. Lately, I haven't felt very um, connected to a person romantically. It's been a long. It's been you know. It's tricky. Which is funny because you're you know you're every girl's dreamboat. Like you know, uh, girls think they're being original. I hear this stuff all the time. They're like, I think I have a crush on Wit. I was like, Oh wow, <laughs> bold. <laughs> What what is it? His you know big You're smile, his tall lanky frame, the fact that he still skateboards into his twenties is what? Do, what do you think you're being original about here, Miss? Huh? What do, Who said it? It's all you know. It's always some babe. Uh, that's know. cool. Yeah, it's not you know. I'm not yeah. I'm not describing some floozy. It's always these girls who are like oh yeah, like it's some like original secret. There's nothing original about being in love with Whitmore Thomas. I want to tell you that right now. <laughs> that's so funny. Would you describe yourself as caught up, as Steve said? caught up no i mean i've kind of i was in a relationship for three years Mm -hmm. Uh, we broke up a year ago over a year ago now and i think um both of us kind of were very dishonest with each other and our feelings towards each other oh i've I've kind of learned this through therapy and things now you feel like you're you were dishonest with her yeah Uh, how, how do you think that was um i think we would we would talk you know about our future and I think we both had a really hard time imagining a future together. Yes. But we would lie and say that we like we're in love with each other. <laughs> but I don't think either of us were in love with each other because I've seen I knew her when she was in a relationship and in love and I knew how she acted and I've been in love and in a relationship and I remember how I acted and I think both of us just kind of respected the hell out of each other and uh we weren't in love. And I think we would lie to each other and ourselves about the way that we felt for three years. I th- Damn. And uh, so, uh, th- th- I've heard of this kind of thing for six months, but three years is a long time. Did you yeah. have a puppy love stage? Where no. Really? No. Our relationship was, I was like, in a, at that time I was 25, I was seeing a lot of people and sleeping with, you know, a handful of friends. And, uh, <laughs> so good. And, uh, Kind of the way that our relationship kind of began is I was seeing her as well. She was like in my friend 
circle and knew my brother and stuff. And that's how I met her. And our relationship began with her, like our official relationship began with her um, finding some text messages between me and another girl that were very sexual. And um, they were from like, you know, a while, like a few weeks before. And she was really hurt Uh because she was like, what am I doing? Like, what the hell is this? What are you like texting people like this? And we're like hanging out and I don't get it. And she was right. But instead, in that moment, I should have said, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I don't know what we are. You just moved here. You just broke up with your boyfriend of a couple of years. Like, I kind of didn't think that this was like a real thing. And I, whatever, instead of saying any of that, I just said, I don't know, I'm crazy. Be my girlfriend. <laughs> and then that kind of, we both kind of. That's a, such a 25-year-old move, though. Yeah. That's like, and that's I, normal. And I was terrified of ever being honest and just going like, I don't think this is a good idea. Like, let's take a step back. Mm-hmm. We don't know each other very well. Like, what are we doing? And she was always, I think, too, uh, I, in her mind, I think, am I'm a nice guy or and whatever and aesthetically fit the thing that she is attracted to. And I think, but in reality, personality-wise and taste-wise, I'm not her type. And I think she was always kind of challenging herself to be attracted to my 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 to me, you know. Uh-huh. And um, I think it made her feel bad that she wasn't. And so that made her dig in even harder uh, to try to like convince herself, you know. Because you guys both felt like you should feel this way about the yeah. other person. But we didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's very interesting. I think that happens to people more often than they like to admit, mm-hmm. uh, especially if, if we're talking about purely aesthetics, too. I think that's something mm-hmm. that where it's like, well, this person is great looking and everyone thinks this person is great looking and I should be. I've been in a couple of relationships like that, especially as a fat guy where I'm like, well, this, this girl's beautiful. Like, I should be happy with this. Mm-hmm. But it's just not something people's personality i mean all that stuff means so much more their compatibility but i I know we say that but i don't know it'll just keep happening too (laughs) yeah no the last guy before wade the guy that was in my article that guy was like like an old wit yeah exactly (laughs) but i was like oh this is this is perfect you know like i had put all this stuff on him because of like how he looked and how like i thought he fit into my life but it was like very superficial looking back. Did you read her article? It was so no. funny in the LA Times. And he wore, he had a furniture store. Ooh. So this guy was Aiden from Sex and the City, basically. Way hotter than Aiden. <laughs> Way hotter than Aiden, too? Yes. Aiden was pretty hot. Mm. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, that stuff happens all the time. So that's not crazy. But yeah. it, it, three years, I mean, at my, I remember you in, in that time, too. And you were always troubled. I was. I, I didn't tell anybody that I was unhappy because I didn't want, I didn't even tell my closest friends. I think I told Steve like a few, Steve was the only person I honestly talked to about it at Dave Van Huysen's party, birthday party. That was like a month before we broke up. Um, I didn't tell anybody because I didn't want 
that the thing where your friends then develop a new opinion about <laughs> yeah. your, your significant other and then mm-hmm. they but then you're still together and they have to like figure out how to have a reaction that's a lie mm-hmm. and so I did want that and then basically I I went to Australia for a month to do some stuff and I we were unhappy together we didn't really even communicate the whole time I was there and then when I got back we had a talk and we were like what are we doing because we had this great house together and all that stuff and uh, and we then we went w- yeah we went to a wedding and uh realized that like we we basically saw two people madly in love getting married and we were with another couple and they were madly in love like thinking about getting married and then we were looking at each other like we don't feel like this let's get out of here let's bail and then we went back to LA and we're like it was very mutual just like what are we doing let's 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 not do this and she was like well you should stay here until uh you know, the end of the month, and I was like, no, I'm out of here. And I just went and stayed on a friend's couch, put my things in a tub, never looked back. Oh, jeez. <laughs> was that, like, the first breakup that you'd had where you, like, had to... I don't know if you've had one like this, Steve, where you had to, like... Well, you're divorced, maybe. Where you had to, like, put yourself back together? Or or you felt fine afterwards? No, I felt... I'm still dealing with it, reeling from the fear of of kind of trying to figure out if I'm being honest Mm. with my feelings for someone or if I'm idealizing them or over-romanticizing the idea of us being together because we're both from the same state or whatever it would be, you know what I mean? Oh, her her parents are drug addicts too or whatever. We gotta be together. We gotta figure out how to make it work. I'll do things like that, you know? Um, And I then will go, wait, 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 wait that stuff doesn't matter. Like, do I, how do I really truly feel? And so I have this like PTSD where I keep kind of going back and having to ask myself those questions and it's ruining my um, romantic life. <laughs> I, you know, I wonder about that stuff too. Cause I, I, you know, I'm fall, I could fall in love. You guys hear the way I talk. I'm, you know, girl crazy. I fall in love like all the time, every day. And uh, I do wonder, I'm like, if I can be with anyone and like create this narrative in my mind for them and for us, like who's the right one then? How do you know which what person is the right one? Yeah. And well, uh, I don't think there's just one. Oh, I know, Jesus. but that what's scary. These trash guys are <laughs> off the chain. What's scary? I know there's not just one, but if you can make anyone that or pretty much anyone that then you're then it's it's I think that's nerve-wracking. But can you really do that for like long periods of time? I feel like well, I guess well, we, we got 3 years in. <laughs> and our Angelina and I, that's her name. Um our romantic life was like not really very existent at all. We would just watch TV together, eat dinner together, hang out together. But there was never us like sitting on, I used to do jokes about it all the time where how there was never like a us looking at the stars together kind of uh-huh. feeling, you know? Um, and so, uh, I, th- I mean, I, th- I think that well, that's all that I think I really want. It's just that feeling, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I know that 
if I feel that again, then hopefully I've recovered. Um, I also think like maybe it takes, I mean, you're like a year out, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've had breakups with people who in retrospect, I was like, oh my God, I should have been able to get over that like right away. Or like, you know, it's so clear looking back, but it took me like literally like years to get out of it and really like feel like trust yourself in a way like uh, yeah I think like you're just in the process and that's so good that you're like trying to be self-aware about what you did before trying to be yeah well I mean you you have um you come from trauma your childhood is, is traumatic as as is mine and I know even now I'm I'm trying to figure out I it's so funny that I thought I was okay for so long, <laughs> you know, just because you could kind of like get by and people like you and you're not addicted to drugs or you're not an alcoholic. And, you know, it's like, oh, this is great. But uh, especially I think in romantic stuff, it's like, my God, I think I'm really fucked up about this kind of stuff. How, how, how do you think um, your childhood has impacted this kind of romantic stuff? Um, I think it's well, it just impacts every like relationship that I have. I was like never provided with an opportunity to be a brat mm. to be like properly a young person no one ever listened to me and i was i just had no place in anything ever there i i was just raised in kind of chaos and all i could <laughs> think to do to adapt was just try to try to be as cool as hell you know, <laughs> which I think worked. That part worked. <laughs> so where people would want to hang out with me or maybe want me to be a part of something. Or if someone started a band, they would be like, we got to have Wit sing or play guitar or whatever it would be. And I think I've applied that to everything. That was like my adaptive skill, uh. knowing that like if something goes wrong, I need a place to live and a place to stay. I need this family to love me as if they're like, as if I'm their son every family, every one of my friends, you know what I mean? And uh, I've applied that to life in a way that was good as a kid, but what it, it gave me no argumentative skills and I, it gave me no like ability to think that like my, my voice needs to be heard in this situation and it's made relationships impossible because I'm never, or really difficult at least, because I don't ever, um, I, it's not even, there's no, Mm -hmm. evenness it's just like um oh this is what they want they seem like they want this more than i do so i'm not even going to talk about it um are they you know what i mean because i i i think that it's important as a kid to like figure out how to be a brat a bit and, mm -hmm. and try to get your way and i never did that so now i don't ever try to get my way and it's like fucked me is in, in my professional life and my romantic life and friendships, everything. I just, so I'm trying to learn how to like, you know, argue my case and get my way, but like, or try at least, but I mean, I don't know. That's a weird long answer. That's just something new that I've been talking about with my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, it's good that you're even asking that you think that how you feel is important because that's probably pretty new, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've never thought about my own kind of feelings as far, I've always just kind of thought, this person seems to care more than I do about how they feel than about how I feel. So they win. Or just pushing their agenda. Yeah. Like, 
you just want to make them happy, so you'll say yes yeah. or whatever, because acquiesce. My, when I was a kid, and I don't, my childhood was shit in a way, but it wasn't so bad, you know, like, I had shoes and stuff, you know. My parents were... Cornerstone to a good childhood. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have a friend. He didn't have shoes. And so I do... I constantly am comparing myself to him. But it was just in a way to where if I had a problem as a kid and I would... There was no one that I could talk to about it. Like, I couldn't whine or complain because there was no one to complain to. My, my mom was in and out of different things, like rehab or jail or whatever it was. She had her own problems. And my dad wasn't really around until I was in high school. And so, and my grandparents didn't like me. And my, I don't know. And so I. Who were you staying with? Just or my it just kind of depended. As a Relatives. kid, I, I lived with my parents until I was nine. And then my dad ran off. Or I guess he left when I was eight. And then my mom moved us into my grandparents. But then she was kind of off. And so I lived with my grandparents, pretty much, and my mom. And um, on and off. And then sometimes my mom would have a boyfriend or something. I'd live with him or my mom's friend. Or, um, and then, um, my dad moved to town when I was 14. So I moved in with him and his girlfriend and that became my, where I lived. But, so there was no like room for me to kind of go, I, you don't get it. (laughs) I'm sad because of this thing that happened to me and, ah, I'm a teenager or whatever. It was just like. No one was around to listen. And if they were, my, like, for instance, when my dad came back, I didn't want to be a brat because I was just really grateful that I had like a a room with a dad who was sober. And well, so I guess I just never grew up. Like I never, mm-hmm. or maybe I grew up too quick or something like that. Well, I mean, all that stuff... Um yeah, it sounds like you just didn't get a chance to to mourn for the, for that time, which which I, I think you're probably doing now. Uh, but yeah, it's hard for me too. I um, you know, I'm, I'm I had an abuse past. Um, Mike, the producer, knows my dad. Uh, he's very mean, uh, <laughs> but we get along now. But uh, he stopped drinking when I was like nine or ten, and uh, but I always had I always had the place to stay, so I didn't have to worry about any of that stuff. But it's even hard for me now. The only way I feel bad for myself uh, is if I think about myself as a child, like not me, just a kid that looks like me. And I'm like, oof, that poor fucking kid. Then then I can feel bad for him because uh, I just don't, uh, I don't like to think of myself as a victim or anything like that. It, it sounds like we've interpreted though our trauma in such different ways. Where me, I, I just kind of, I can be a monster. So I, um, and I think I got that from my dad. Mm-hmm. And I, I fight against being a monster all the time and just taking uh, whatever I want. Um, and and I, I've gotten pretty good about it. But if, if I let myself, I could just take and, I mean, I think that's my big thing. So right now how you're searching for things, I'm, I'm just trying to not be a monster to the person I'm with. 
So even like I always want to leave, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you can't just leave these people. Like they gave they give you so much. You know, like Julia is like such a wonderful person, and so like giving of me will do anything for me. And uh, it's like, no, you owe this person something. Yeah. So you've got to like dig deep and and give her. We got in this fight the other day. It's so funny. She was looking at me with such adoration. Like just, I mean, I don't know. The way the women look at you sometimes is like, give me a fucking break. Are you <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> I'm telling you, the way they look at you like, oh, like they just love you so much. You and, don't like uh, that? It makes you uncomfortable? Yes, it makes me uncomfortable. I think, I mean, we had, this was what the fight was about. I was like, I think it's, and this, as I'm saying these things, I understand it's, it's revealing about me. And it made me wonder, I, I think it's stupid uh, I think it's stupid to love anything that much, and uh, I—I I mean, yeah, I mean, this isn't this isn't healthy or anything. But and her and I talked about this, and I'm just like, what are you thinking? I just think it's dumb and stupid. And I told—I mean, I—we talked about this because I told her, man, you love me too much. The way you look at me, and she's like, what do you mean too much? Why do you say that? It makes me feel this. And we had a big long hour conversation, talk about it, and I mean, you know, this is. Something that I've got to figure out for myself, too. Because it's not stupid to love some something with your whole heart. No. And so that, to me, is like, oh, when I was little, I made decisions about what love is. My therapist does this thing where you'll have to visualize your inner child and, mm. like, go back to, like, your original trauma with the situation, which is, like horrifying it like it's so sad it I, I cry like every time I have to do it but it is and I had like a kind of a relatively like white picket fence experience but it's crazy how much our parents <laughs> just fuck us up within every way well it's just because you're little and you don't know how to interpret no this. you can't you'd have no defenses so and then you just get stuck in the whatever happened last time the first time and then you just keep replaying it well, you know, I remember begging my mom to leave my dad when I was like four or five years old, like saying, like, I remember, and my mom will tell you this too. I was like four years old and saying, we can go. Let's just go. We'll live with grandma. We don't need to put up with this anymore. And my mom just didn't leave. So I, I mean, it's as easy as making that connection right there. So, but we can make mental connections and saying, oh yeah. So right then I was like, oh, my mom's stupid. That's, that's. And didn't, don't, don't, haven't you said recently, like you still hold her more accountable than him yeah uh, no I, I think that's i did that for years maybe in my early 20s and stuff like that where i i had a better relationship with my dad than i did with my mom because i was mad but my mom uh, some years ago or whatever asked me for forgiveness and said it's like the, one of the greatest regrets of my life that i didn't take you guys away and i mean at that point what could you you yeah. know you can't say anything yeah. there yeah. but yeah i mean I, I was very grateful i'm very lucky that she was she was able to process that and ask for forgiveness because I didn't know that that's what I needed. So I don't, I don't feel bad about any of that. But like I said, I mean that, even though I've known that it, how crazy is it that I'm still this girl, this woman who loves me and who's great to me and all this stuff. I still think you love me so much. Like you, that is stupid. Dummy. Yeah. (laughs) So what are, are you like, you're like dating casually? What? No, I want to know, when was the first time you fell in love? What was your first big relationship? I was madly in love with, uh, sick. It's like sick in love with a girl in high school named Shannon. <laughs> I mean, my big relationship was this girl, Laura, Laura was her name. Yeah. 
in high school. We lost our virginity together, and that was, like, not a healthy relationship. It was, like, Laura had problems, and I was kind of became, like, a, like, almost, like, took care of her in a way that probably wasn't the most healthy. We only dated for a year in high school, but that's kind of a long time. But then I was, like, obsessed and in love with this girl named Shannon in high school for two years, senior, junior year. Whenever and, you guys picture Whit Tucker, you got to remember he's from Alabama. He's just picture the coast, you know, yeah. they're on the coast. And did, 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 did clams come in? Down or in the something? Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, in the Gulf of Mexico. No, at nighttime, the water, the water's hot there. And at nighttime, you can write your name in the sand and it will glow in the dark. Yeah, that's the shit I'm talking about. A lot of like skinny dipping and yeah. rope swings. And yeah, that's a, that's what I want you guys to picture when Wit's talking about being tan. in love. So what was the deal with Shannon? Why were you so Shannon, into Shannon? Well, I never knew. I never really... I was like so punk in school. And, and when, as a teenager, I was very punk. You know, like uh, I was in a band and that's all I cared about. And just playing music and trying to tour and go, on sh- go to play shows and see bands play. And... Um, Shannon was pretty into, she was just pretty preppy. Mm. And uh, it's uh, basically a friend of ours kind of bridged the gap. Shannon was fun to be around and Shannon started to come around. And she was dating this like pretty kind of like popular, well-off, good, now looking back, good guy named Gary, who I had forced in my mind to be like this enemy. <laughs> and Shannon would, 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 you know, Gary was like Shannon's friends with Shannon's family, and Shannon's family loved him. And anyway, I came around and thought of myself as like this fucking outsider kid from the wrong side of the tracks or whatever stupid shit. And Gary, Shannon would break up with Gary and then go run off with me, and we'd have some expedition together and then we would get back to school and Shannon would realize like oh no I have to be with Gary I need to be break up with me or cheat on me with Gary oh my god she just really like toyed with me and looking and then I was talking to my friend Clay and um Clay brought up this really great point Clay lives out here with me now, and or he doesn't. We don't live together, but he moved out here with me. He said, "You know what's funny is I always thought of like Gary as this villain in y'all's situation, but looking back, Gary and Shannon were really happy and really good together, and you were the villain." <laughs> Thanks, Clay. You were the bad guy in that situation, but also maybe kind of Shannon because she shouldn't have been. Well, truly, Shannon. Yeah, Shannon should have not lied and. I mean, I don't know. The whole thing sounds very romantic to me in Shannon's case. Are you kidding me? You got this stable guy, and his name's fucking Gary. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, who names a baby Gary? (laughs) You got Gary, and then you got the wit here, Nick Cage from Valley Girl. You got to go back and forth. Yeah, it was exactly that. (laughs) It was like this guy. I remember that Shannon made me go to a party, and and I couldn't figure out how to socialize. Um... Everybody kind of looked at me in a sad light because my mom got a DUI dropping me off at school. <laughs> and, um, and then... Did the car get pulled over near the school? Um, I mean, it's a small town, so yeah, everyone knows everybody about everything, knew. right? Yeah. And then, uh, like a month later, she was on house arrest, and then she uh, tried to order Oxycontin off of the internet. 
God. And the FBI came and broke down all of our doors. And so everybody saw in the town. And, oh, my God. This stuff is... I mean, and, this stuff uh, fucked you up. I can't imagine. Yeah, so everybody would kind of... <laughs> it was like, wow, there he is. And everybody would say things. They felt weird drinking around me in high school. Everybody would have to talk about it. Like, I wish I was like could be sober. I remember people saying that to me as a kid because I didn't drink, you know. I wish that I could be like you, man. Like, and I remember at this party just finding a piano and playing piano in the corner of some like rich kid's house in some room and hoping that Shannon would come like put her hand on my shoulder and sit on the stool with me. Oh, and, uh, you're breaking my heart. <laughs> but that was what that was my expectation, like unrealistic. Shannon wanted to have fun. Shannon wanted to be fucked. And I was too afraid to do it. And Gary would. <laughs> um, um, so, uh, but anyway, it was, yeah, it was very Valley Girl. Like, I remember somebody texting me and saying, when Shannon and I were together, saying, Shannon's at the homecoming game holding hands with Gary. And I drove to the football game. I'd never been to a football game before and saw her holding hands with Gary and walking to like approach them together and as i was walking i was like fuck it and i just turned around and ran away and never said that i saw her or anything like that (laughs) oh my god oh god so when you were when you graduated did you just peace out right away yeah i left a few weeks after i graduated and uh kind of to to la you came right to la i just drove here yeah I didn't have much of a plan. I didn't know anybody or anything. I just kind of was like, I'll go to L.A., give me six months, I'll make it, and everybody will, you know, see, like, oh, look at this guy. He made it. <laughs> the weird kid from school. I wasn't also, I, there was no, like, I was never bullied. There was no, people, if anything, people probably looked at me as, as like, a guy who is too cool for them. You know what I mean? That's, pro- like, a person who's, like, he's judgmental. He, like... Mm thinks he's a cool guy and he's whatever his mom is also my mom was known in town she was a musician and she um would play all the time like play music all the time and stuff so i i i didn't have like a hard time in high school or any i was never made fun of or bullied or anything like that and even if i wasn't i wouldn't have i wouldn't have cared because i'm like i don't care about this bullshit you know Mm -hmm. what i mean um, you're yeah. from a small town though yeah really small yeah, town yeah me too but and everyone knows all your business mm-hmm. it's crazy yeah everybody knows everything so <laughs> so what was LA like when you were landed here well LA it, like was life I mean it was amazing to move out here and be alone I had no sense of self I realized coming out here I was faking it like I was faking it took now I look back and realize like I was faking who I was in high school and then when I first went out to LA and like I was like just so not I was not mysterious wasn't interesting and instead of just being like a dork and like silly and who I really was I was like I need to be River Phoenix I need uh-huh. to be like the most serious actor and join every fucking actor's workshop I can. Do you know what happened to that guy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I kind of, it took me like four years to realize like, uh, I need to 
be stupid. And, you, and then I started doing power violence, and then that led to me doing stand-up. But yeah, LA, is, it just really is crazy to me. I think of an eighteen-year-old uh, from Alabama just driving out here and like figuring it out. Well, so I had met a guy of uh, my friend's uh, uncle said he worked out here owned a special effects company i met him one time and he was like if you ever come out to la give me a call and i'll give you a job as a pa so i moved out here with that in my mind like that was gonna happen just gotta call this guy and he'll give me this job my dad helped me find an apartment out here um and then uh did you get that job no he never answered a phone call never (laughs) once and uh, so i got a job at a skate shop but that was like a great introduction to L.A. for me. It was like, well, don't have any fucking expectation because nobody, everybody's a flake. <laughs> um, it's true. But, uh, you know, it was cool. I mean, like, it was, you know, like I moved out here. I would see every movie. I remember one night I would hang out at the Third Street Promenade so much that this one night this beautiful girl named Quinn came up to me and I remember she was in a long fur coat and she had like curly blonde hair she kind of looked like Kate Hudson and Uh. almost famous and she was 17 or 18 Mm -hmm. came up to me and was like smoking a cigarette and I was like are you homeless and I was like no and she goes sorry I just see you here all the time sitting on this curb because that's I would sit in front of the Lamley and in Santa Monica and uh, she was like well do you want to go hang out with me and all my friends and I thought I had already bought tickets to see the next movie but I was like yeah sure so I went out and uh, she took me to some cafe and there was all these teenagers drinking coffee and I remember thinking and smoking and I was like what the drinking coffee was so weird to me (laughs) teenagers would be drinking coffee they were all from LA four of them were named Sam they were all girls named Sam and Quinn and a girl named Zelda. And then they took me to their house where their, I guess their parents were out of town and they had a saltwater pool with a waterfall. And um, they all took their clothes off and went swimming. and like. Were it, you the only guy? Yeah, I was the only one. <laughs> and it was like a, a real true uh, dream. And that was like early in LA, you know? It felt... You know, it was like a lot of that kind of exciting stuff would happen when I first moved out. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah. (laughs) But career-wise, nothing. So then power violence started to take off, and then you've just been on that Well, yeah, I guess power violence never really took off, but, like, we started a stand-up show, and some people would go. And then people became, like, aware. It kind of put you on the map. Right? It put me on a map. Yeah. Basically, what happened is power violence started. Dave Ross would uh, performed there, and then I would I would started doing open mics, and I think I just like somehow got lucky enough to where I was booked on his show. Holy fuck! Like pretty quickly into doing stand up, and holy fuck was like a staple LA comedy show. And um, I think, but um, I think. Yeah, yeah. Because of that, that changed everything for me. Like as far as feeling like I had any sort of place in LA, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this is where I should be. Is is a, being a stand up comic. I had always loved stand up, and I would go see shows all the time, but never really thought it was something I could do. 
Um, and uh, did you have so dating wise? You had all these like kind of erotic early <laughs> late teens, early twenties experiences, and then were you like seeing someone until your last girlfriend? Like, were there like serious relationships in there? Yeah, I mean, yeah, people. I mean, since I, I remember being a kid and like girl, when I was a, a freshman in high school, there was this girl would put her a thong in my locker every week, like hang it in my locker. She would break in <laughs> and then say like, I hope you're going to let me rape you one day soon. <laughs> what? And just, yeah, I remember and stuff like that is, you know, there's always been a girl or two who have been aggressive. <laughs> But um, I had a girlfriend when I first moved to L.A. Like a couple years in, I met a girl, another girl named Laura, and we dated for two years. And that was like a very pure, sweet, we were in love and um, kind of became completely codependent Mm. and decided to break up. But we've kind of remained pals and stuff because we were pretty young. I think we broke up when I was 21. My mom had died at by then. I was kind of like just had a new, completely new perspective on everything. When my mom passed away, I think a lot of a lot of like this stress that I've always had or this weight on my shoulders kind of went away. Mm. And I thought like, I don't have to deal with my mom's family or the people who are really awful are gone. And I, I felt a lot of relief for my mom that she didn't have to deal with, you know, her trouble anymore. Um, and so that, I think a lot of that led to my breakup with my first real adult girlfriend. And then I was dating all the time and was like probably more confidently dating then than I have in the last year. I was like sleeping with a lot of girls and like very uh, kind of experimental, pure fun just a great sex life like you know spontaneous sex Mm -hmm. life with a lot of girls that were my friends which and then I so that happened girls that I was close to and were my friends and I lived in this mansion at the time with a group of other friends of mine and it was just like fun you know we would Mm -hmm. have parties and run around together and it was the beginning of me like having a footing and stand up and performing a lot and I had no, I worked delivering groceries and would have like sexual encounters delivering groceries. Too. Yes. <laughs> With, With yes. people. Yeah. It was like a great time. And, uh, that's a good pilot. Did, have you written that? <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's called We Deliver. I think they already had that. It's called Lover Boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was just like that, except there was no like, deal (laughs) extra anchovies (laughs) it was basically there was just a few people who would kind of like women would invite me back into their room and go like do you want to see all my halloween costumes and i'd be like "Uh, sure and then they would (laughs) sit me on their bed and just change in front of me a bunch or girls would you know answer the door in a sheet and then like drop the sheet or something (laughs) and then some uh, one woman in particular would give me a blowjob but, <laughs> oh my god, yes. And that was cool. That was like a really great time. 
Now, I, I know that, um, was it, did you not go to therapy or was it uh, after Angeline where you're like, I really have to go to therapy? After. Who told, who told you to do that? How did you know to do that? Um, well, what happened was I had, after Angelina, I had, I wanted to go back to what it was like when I was 24, however, you know, between when I was sleeping with all my friends. Yeah. And I realized that a lot changes with age and time things, society has changed in a good way. And that doesn't fucking exist for older people 29 year olds you can't just be fucking your friends all the time <laughs> you can't it ain't right and people's expectations are different it ain't right i had never been single and had a career either totally i had my career happened when i was with my ex-girlfriend and i did not know that a person who would dm you and go like can we go out sometime and then you went out and then if you guys hooked up then that she would be like want more want to continue to <laughs> so i would end up breaking up with people like there was like a month period where i felt i would go out with somebody once or twice and then have to tell them like i don't want a relationship though with you and then they would be like well you really led me on you asshole and i'd be like yeah i guess you're right what the hell is wrong with me like why am i doing this but you're allowed to go out on a date or two and like not know what you want. Well, I know that now, but at the time I didn't know that and I just felt terrible and I felt like a bad person and that maybe these people that I were going out with were putting kind of like a lot on me and a lot of the reason everybody would give me is I thought that you had a different, had something different in mind because we didn't get wasted. Uh. And you kind of listen to me in a way that maybe other people don't. And so I guess I was leading them on in that way. Anyway, I felt completely insane and, and conf like, like I was a bad guy and really wanted to have somebody to talk to about it. And so I started going to therapy um, because I had never hurt somebody's feelings so much. I made people cry. I'd never done that. Um, and so having to making someone cry is, was a, a new thing for me. So I was like, I now, I still haven't really been to therapy. I got it. Uh, but I remember talking. It had to have been like, it's a life changer for you, right? Yeah, because I realized that I got to figure out how to be angry and honest in a way. I'm, I don't need to worry so much about, you know, what people are thinking about. I, I don't have to be putting myself in every person's shoes all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't need to do that. I don't need to respond so quickly to everybody. And I don't need to put 10 hearts and 15 exclamation points so that people know that I'm not upset with them. Or You know what I mean? A lot of it is ego as well. I learned not everybody gives a fuck what I think or how I feel. They don't care if I'm happy or sad. Or whatever it is. And it was like a huge game changer for me to think that, like, I don't need to apologize to someone because I thought one time I was kind of rude to them. Oh, my God. I struggle with that so hard. You know, <laughs> because they probably aren't losing any sleep over it, truthfully. Um, 
Yeah. So, I Has mean, it- it's been great for me. It's been bad for me as far as my romantic life goes because I'm realizing that, like, I don't know, like, I want really badly to be just, like, running around hooking up. Mm-hmm. But I just don't know if that, like, exists anymore is, is what it is. So you mean you still want to be doing that, but you don't think it's possible? I don't think so. I think, like, nowadays, I, I think for people who are older, it's just no, it's not dude, as fun. No, dude, I'm here to tell you that does exist. But also, maybe your feelings about it have changed. Or, like, it's more complicated for you emotionally now. I don't no? know. I don't know if it does exist. I've never found that to be truly the case. There's, there are very. I know a shit ton of people that are dating a shit ton of people. I know, but I, I have found that I think mostly uh, that if you find someone, everyone's like happy to have like a friends with benefits until you find someone that fucks really well, and then they want to lock you down. Nah. After a couple times, yeah. I'm, why would you? That's the whole point. You, if you find someone you really like, then you're not like, oh, that's cool. Let's stay open. I found that mostly they'll you'll want to get locked. Are you in. looking? Are you looking for someone that you like want to be with, or you would just rather like have it be more casual and like kind of like on a whim? Mm, at the moment, I think I don't know if I'm. I can't really imagine a future at all right now. So like, I'm not totally looking either. You know. Uh huh. Yeah. I don't know. I really don't. I have no idea. I look, I just romanticize, I guess, that time in my life before everything was complicated and think about. That does sound wonderful. Just fucking your friends? Yeah. Think about staying the night at a friend's house or like someone inviting me over and going, do you want to watch a movie? And going, all right, yeah, let's watch a movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. You know what I mean? <laughs> somebody asked me, I don't know if it was on Who's Your God or I don't think it was on here, but somebody was like, oh, what What do you, what would heaven be like to you? And to me, I was like, oh, I'd like to have sex with everybody. <laughs> but, and I'm, and I, that came out and it's such a pure, true feeling for me where I'd be like, yeah, I'd like to have sex with all my friends. I think that would be cool if everyone would be like, if heaven is that, I mean, to me, I'm like, man, that's so cool. If you could just do that and everyone would be okay and nobody would be sad or mad or anything like that. To me, that sounds wonderful, Wit. Well, I had that for a moment. (laughs) (laughs) So, so do you... Okay, are you on apps? Are you drawing? No, no apps. Too many opportunities for people to see me in real life. Oh, yeah. It's like being a stand-up and having also dating apps is, for me, is like... No, I had one for a day. And it was in Seattle. I was in Seattle. And um, I guess I had it for two days. The first night I did a show, someone came up to me and said, hey, I just matched with you on Tinder. And then the next day, someone said, I just matched with you on Tinder at the, another show, at a festival. And I'm like, yeah, I can't have that. <laughs> I don't want people to like be able to see me. And then people can see me on stage all the time. So... I don't. It's probably smart. Want it's them to know that move. I'm like aching to go out as well, you know, and then have them just be able to. They can go talk to me in real life if they want. It's it, I'm out there already. You know what I mean? It's how I feel. I don't feel. Also, I don't need something to just like look at all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, 
And also Instagram is like a dating app anyway. Is that what you're using? People are hitting you up on there. <laughs> uh, well, maybe, yeah. <laughs> people do though, right? No, people totally do. I mean, it's do. the same thing, right? Instagram, dating apps. There was a, when we went to Joey Izzo's movie thing, mm-hmm. there's this uh, 19-year-old girl there. And she just started talking to me and Julia. And she's like, we're like, oh, why, how come you're here? Because she's like, do you guys know these people? And I was like, we're like, yeah, they're our friends. And she's like, oh, I don't know anybody. And she's like, I'm here mostly. She's like, do you know there's a comedian named Whitmer Thomas? Oh, my God. <laughs> she's like, yeah, I follow him on Instagram. You know, he's so funny and stuff. I was like, oh, yeah, I know Whit. And I was like, oh, yeah. So, yes, Instagram is that. So. Oh, yeah, wow. probably especially for you. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I went out with a girl recently. I didn't know, but she was 21. This was like, honestly, a year ago, like right after Angelina and I broke up. And um, I didn't know how old she was, but she asked me out at a show and I I went out with her and we kissed in an alleyway. And about five seconds into kissing, she grabbed my crotch and goes, why isn't your dick hard? (laughs) 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 And I was like, how old are you? And I found out she was 20 or 21 or something. And I was like, oh my God. I guess times change. Who are you it's making hard. Out? Do you get creepers on Instagram too? No, the only people who have ever creeped on me are guys. I mean, so yeah. Oh, really? Guys asking if they can send me a picture of their dick or whatever it is. Damn, what? Um, no girls will ever... People will say polite, nice things. You know, like, that's a funny skate video or whatever it is. <laughs> Nobody's ever been a... Creeper. Only people who have ever been aggressive or creepy are men on Instagram. And I think maybe I'm a bit ambiguous on Instagram, so people don't know my what I which way I go as far as my sexual orientation goes. Sure. But uh but yeah. I mean I've gone out with some people on off of Instagram. Yeah. Any successful? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Cool. Um completely successful and it's not like my sex life is doesn't exist it exists it's just not it's more conflicting now when i went through this last breakup i was afraid that i had forgotten how to have sex so i was were you guys not having sex not really our sex life was not healthy you know so i was like i got to figure out how to have sex with people in a way that is fun. And um, it has nothing to do with how my ex-girlfriend was. It was like a very mutual thing. Sure. And uh, so <laughs> I went out and was like trying to figure it out. I remember the first person I went out with, like making out with her and realizing like, oh, okay, cool. I don't have to like learn how to do this again. <laughs> it's just something that happens. This is just fun and nice and whatever it is. You know what I mean? And then... Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, I remembered how to do it. <laughs> Good, I'm so glad. Steve, yeah. Steve, do you have any more questions? No, I know we're, we're friends. This is <laughs> this has been so fun. Yeah. Where can the people find your skate videos? At Whitmer Thomas on Instagram. Are you also at Whitmer Thomas on Twitter? And Twitter. Yep. DM and, this dude. And then uh, Power <laughs> Violence is uh, every third Sunday, right? Yes, sir. At uh, 
what's the space land called now? The Satellite. Oh, satellite, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's a great show. One of the best shows in town. Go check that out. Very funny. Come about a half hour late. Uh, <laughs> you guys Steve, start Steve, you're not so supposed late. to say that. <laughs> no, doors open at 8, show starts at 8.30. That's the deal. Yeah, that's the deal. Uh, <laughs> see you guys at 8.30, third Sunday of the month, The Satellite. Thank you, Wit. Yeah, thank y'all. <laughs>